Kick off your shoes. Sit back and find that gigantic stack of papers you've been meaning to grade. It's time for the new teacher hotline. Hi there, and welcome to the New Teacher Hotline. You found us just in time for Episode 8. My name is Mike Kelly. And I'm not. I'm Glenn Moulton. It's good that not both of us are me, because that would be unlistenable. <laughs> uh-huh. So we are here once again to answer your questions about teaching, to present our own nuggets of wisdom. And what little wisdom I have to offer, I can easily fit into a 15- or 20-minute podcast. Same here. We can wedge it in. You may have noticed, by the way, on our website, thenewteacherhotline.com, we have a brand new look. Our web and IT manager has done a great job. We're not that weird, baby blue, sort of generic-looking website anymore. We have a whole new logo, and well, it's even reflected in iTunes. I'm very excited. Hey, we're downtown now. We look professional. Yeah. Well, maybe we can act that way. We'd be all right. It, if it weren't just the two of us in it, <laughs> we would have a fully professional website. Uh, this week's warm-up is Substitute Lesson Plans. Well, I suppose there's two kinds, aren't there? There's mm-hmm. the regular substitute lesson plans and the emergency substitute lesson plans. Right. Yeah, let's back up even further. Here's an interesting story that somebody told me one time. I love stories. Uh, yeah. Hold on, let me get my juice. Yeah, okay. <laughs> when I was a teacher, uh, a fellow teacher came up to me and said, you know, I, I know I'm really important. And I said, well, well, why is that? And he says, well, when I'm absent, they send in a substitute. When the principal's absent... They're just absent. No, that's true. Yeah, okay, that does make sense. Uh, Two types of uh, substitute plans, and and they're both important, very important, and they shouldn't be taken lightly. The first one is the emergency lesson plan, and truthfully, it needs to be done on the first day of school or as soon as possible. The emergency lesson plan is to be used in the event that you're unable to make it to school and didn't tell anybody in advance and no one knows what to do, so they go to the file and pull out your emergency plan. And it tends to be something a little bit more generic, usable in any of the days of school, not tied to a particular moment in time. And if you have different sorts of classes, then would you make one generic lesson plan that could be useful for all of them, or would you do individual ones for the classes? Well, you may have to do individual ones, depending on how close your your lessons are together or your subjects are together. Uh, You may have to do different ones for different subjects. But, you know, if you're teaching, you know, English all day long, then perhaps one is enough. I just realized, too, I was thinking about that from a secondary school perspective, which mm-hmm. is if you're teaching math all day, you could do some kind of math thing, maybe SAT prep, like if right. you're in high school. But if you're in elementary school, you, by definition, have to come up with lesson plans you're, for all the different you, subjects. Absolutely. You're probably looking at four or five different activities for the day. Most of the time, people just think of one day's worth of emergency plans. But the reality of it is if something bad happens, and, you know, heaven forbid, you know, we don't want that to ever happen, but sometimes it does and you're called away, it may be for more than one day. Is that a euphemism for death? Well, you've been called away. <laughs> no, I meant that you, you know, you won you the jackpot. Die, how and... many lesson plans do you have to create until they hire someone else? <laughs> you won the jackpot and you had to go claim it, you know, in the next state. So it was like a three-day trip. 
Right. So you want to have three days worth of lesson plans, emergency lesson plans. Do you think three days is a good number to have? Well, it, it covers you. And that's what an, an emergency lesson plan is designed to do. So that when you're not there, whoever is covering your class for you has something meaningful to go with. Can you imagine, I used to substitute before I taught, I can't imagine coming into a full day of classes without anything. So what I would do, I, it's happened to me, and what I have to do is go to a neighboring teacher and say, I have nothing. Could you come up with something for me? And that really makes your neighboring teachers just love you when you come back. You're like, hey, thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks for putting all that effort in to getting these lesson plans done so I could do your work for you. Absolutely. And the other thing we know about students is they sense if you have something to do or not. And if you don't, then they will entertain themselves for the remainder of the period or the the time allotment. And sometimes that's okay, but most of the time it becomes tough. Well, and they think that the greatest thing is a class period that's free, that they have nothing to do. And for the first 10 minutes, they're so excited. And then for the rest of the time, they are bored, silly, and start getting Mm -hmm. not only distracted, but rambunctious and this is when the big problems happen exactly you know not only will they entertain themselves by whatever device is available but a number of them will think of reasons to leave the classroom i have to go to the bathroom i have to do this i have to do that and that just creates turmoil for the entire building i have to go to my ex-girlfriend's class and have a public fight with her outside that classroom door and you never know when that's going to happen. But also it becomes a very long day for the substitute teacher. The longest day is really one where it's completely unstructured. And the teacher might think, you know, it's a fun day. You know, there's really nothing to do today. We're not going to do much. Wrong. It's a long day if you don't have a lesson planned. Your job really becomes focusing on keeping students in line, uh, your discipline problems multiply, and you find yourself more like a, a rodeo star trying to corral all the all the cattle, and they're all going in different directions, and, you know, it's just you. How are you supposed to say, let's get back on task to doing nothing? <laughs> Stop that doing nothing and do this kind of nothing. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, I can say that I never really understood the emergency lesson plan. So I figured, you know, unless I am completely incapacitated, there is no reason for me to turn one in because I want them to do something useful. Almost by the very nature, emergency lesson plans are going to be a little bit of busy work. At least I thought that way because how do you know where your class is going to be if it's going to be as applicable on the first day as on the last day of school? Mm -hmm. You can work hard to make it not all busy work. Some sort of activity that's maybe completely out of the flow of what you're talking about but is still relevant to the topic or something like that. And it's certainly something that, that teachers need to think about and make sure they have on file just as soon as possible that's just good insurance so i found out why this was useful when a friend of mine actually ended up needing his it was my housemate rob he and i were both math teachers we taught across the hall from each other we lived in the same house um, because it's almost impossible to afford housing you know as a single teacher so we pitted our incomes together and one morning he said all right well i'm going to go ahead to work and he was off before me i was still tired and hoping to make it there on time he said i'm going to head off and and he drove And then I left about 15 minutes after him. And then I got to work and he wasn't there. I thought, well, maybe he's just, you know, out and about or getting some coaching stuff taken care of. And it was about an hour later that I got buzzed from the principal. And I said, Mr. Halstead's uh, not here. You know where he might be? You know, because I knew we lived, we lived together. And I said, no, I have no idea. No idea where he is. And they said, okay, we're just checking. We're going to call the house and and he didn't answer. And I thought, well, I wonder what's going on. Did he finally give up teaching? Did he say, I'm out of here. Forget it. I'm driving to Tijuana. And it turns out that he, it was very dark still when we left. It was maybe 530 or something. He ran into the back of a tractor trailer with his car oh. and completely totaled his car and knocked himself out and was 
very badly injured, couldn't walk for weeks. And I, I guess it was dark, and I drove right past that car accident in the morning, didn't even see it. It's, it shows you just how alert you are, <laughs> I guess, in the morning on the 104th day of school. That's right. And then as soon as they figured out that he was in a car accident and had been medevaced to a neighboring trauma center, then I said, well, you know, I'd really like to go see what's going on. So me and the other new teacher, we all three of us started together. We all rushed off to this hospital, and we all yanked out our emergency lesson plans. And if it weren't for those, then it would have been a whole day of these kids being upset because he was a very popular teacher Mm -hmm. and having nothing to do but sit around and... Right. wonder what was going on. Well, emergency lesson plans are just that. They are for use in an emergency, and they are an insurance that the lesson will continue, that learning will continue, that instruction will continue. And it's a good idea to have one. The other type is the uh, the other one that we were talking about is the uh, lesson where you know you're going to be absent. Like I say, where you feel the flu coming on or something <laughs> where, you know, it's unavoidable right. and you have to be there. So you develop a plan specific for that day. You know, it needs to be something that's doable it needs to be something that a, a substitute can perform and it needs to be meaningful so and that's the important word meaningful right exactly because it can't it, be another crossword puzzle for your kids to work out right. while you're gone uh, substitute lesson plans are much more important than most people think because substitute teachers are more important than most people ever imagine and if we don't take care of them then bad things can happen. Well, how do you find that balance to find something meaningful? In some cases, it can't be brand new material you're trying to teach because that's what, sort of why you're there. You're there to facilitate the learning. You're there to present this material so the kids can understand it. So if it can't be brand new material and it can't be just stuff that's sort of just keep you busy for a while, and here's, we'll call it a review pack, but really it, what it is is answer these questions by looking it up in the book and writing sentences or filling in the blanks or something that is clearly a, just a waste of time. And you would feel the same if you were a student in your own class. You would think like, well, you know, this is worthless. This isn't something we do. So where's that balance between having something that's completely worthless and having something that is too ambitious. If you don't want new material, and that's probably good advice, it probably should not be new material, uh, then it's going to be some sort of a, a review of existing material. And there's a lot of ways to play the game, and it depends on you know the age of the students and the subject matter that we're talking about. But there's nothing wrong with having them pair up or small group and give them a series of questions to discuss and then end up with, an answer that's then shared among groups. So we have a, a tremendous amount of group effort going on, and it's good review. Well, I think that's a great idea because individual work is putting an additional stress on the substitute teacher. I think some students aren't necessarily inclined to give a substitute the same amount of respect as they would their regular teacher. So you don't want to put them in a situation where they have to fight for that respect. So if you are saying, here's an activity that has to be done silently, read the, these 17 pages and then answer the questions, and if there's any talking that means they're off task, then you're putting that substitute in a position where they have to be a taskmaster. Right. But if it's group work, like you're saying, mm-hmm. then that's much easier to moderate. Well, it's unrealistic to think that a group of students are going to remain quiet for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes. I mean, adults don't do that, so why would we think that children would do it? That's a weird thing to think, though, because we usually don't think of children as people. Right. We think they'll just do what I tell them to do, or it's going to be bad. Yeah, and usually ends up bad. <laughs> Sometimes the best thing you can hope for is a child puts his head down and goes to sleep, because at least they're not making noise. Right. And that's exactly what we don't want, is that kind of a situation. The other thing that needs to go into either uh, the emergency or the um, regular lesson plan is a seating chart. And it's very important that the substitute has a seating chart because they have no way of taking attendance without it, or no reliable way. So if there is an 
an incident, it helps to know who was involved. Right, because kids love to say, well, my name is John. And they'll just Absolutely. switch names and just pull Switch chairs, switch names, whatever they want. leave, and then you don't know who's, who's here and who's not there, and then that creates a problem for the school. So have a seating chart. And sometimes uh, you can annotate the seating chart to say something like, well, this is a reliable student. If something happens or if you need to go down to the office or send somebody to the office, send this child. So we've talked about having the need for an activity that's relevant, meaningful, meaningful. seating chart. What mm-hmm. else goes into a lesson well, plan, whether emergency or planned? Well, I, I think the seating chart and then the annotation of the uh, trustworthy student. Annotate, right, annotated uh, chart. It is usually helpful if they turn something in so that the normal or the regular teacher can see that there has been some productivity as a result of the lesson and can make some judgments accordingly. They may choose to score it, they may choose not to score it, but it can certainly be the launching pad for the next day's lesson. And don't just completely discard it, because if the kids find out that you don't ever look at the work they do for a substitute, It'll then why the would they ever time, do that yeah, work? That's right. It'll be the last time they do it. One of the things that sometimes we were expected to do was a lunch duty. For example, like before we ate, we had a 45-minute lunch period, which is longer than most schools. Contractually, we were only allowed half an hour for lunch, so 15 minutes that was to be spent doing a duty. That was also expected that the substitute do that if you were gone. I had to do, I know, parking lot duty. I had to do mm-hmm. a standoff and make sure oh, that yeah. kids weren't leaving school. Mm-hmm. Lunch duty where you just kind of monitor, make sure there's no one carrying on and throwing things. And you might even be asked to cover another person's class for that 15 minutes. But if you have a duty, you probably also want to list that and how to get to that. Probably besides that, just the note to say, here, if you've got any questions, here's a teacher that you can trust. And Right. You know, that's probably not a bad idea. Put in the name of the teacher next door or the department chair or someone that they can, uh, another adult that they can rely on. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a good idea, too. The final thing actually okay. relates to our email. Oh. So the final thing okay. that you may want to include is what to do in case of emergency. Ah. For example, if there's some sort of, if there's a fire drill, that's the classic one. What do you do in case of fire drill? What is your designated exit? You know, you might want to put mm-hmm. in the little map. And again, this is probably provided by the school. This is something you don't have to create from scratch. You don't have to draw a blueprint. Yeah, but if it's not, it's a good idea to cover yourself. And there are some, I guess, schools in the Midwest and other areas that have things like tornado drills. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I don't know what other sorts of drills there are. Earthquake drills? Nuclear. Duck and cover, remember? (laughs) If you go back in time. (laughs) In the event of a nuclear explosion, get under your desk. And I know that even in the wake of some of these tragedies like school shootings Mm -hmm. and the attention given to terrorist attacks, some schools have specific policies for lockdown. Lockdown, shelter in place. Mm -hmm. Right. By all means, you should include it. Okay, well, we're going to transition straight from there into our listener email. Okay. You've got mail. This email comes from Mike. Mike, I like your name. Very nice name. Mm-hmm. It says, I've been substitute teaching for a little bit, and I am about to transition into teaching by myself, which I assume means teaching in the classroom. Okay. One thing I've always been concerned about is fire drills and how do I do them correctly. It's something that I've participated in for years and years and years since I was in school, but I'm not sure I know what my role as a teacher is and how that differs from just oh. leaving the room. So how do I handle fire drills? Thanks for your time. Love the show. Oh, well, I'm glad you love the show, Mike. Uh, Thank you. Oh, and yeah, him too. Yeah, <laughs> both Mikes. We both love the show. Uh, We're actually, very good friends. Yes, uh, actually, that's a good question and one that's often overlooked. People just assume that teachers know instantly what to do when there's a drill, whether it's a fire or any other drill for that matter. The teacher has some uh, definite responsibilities and some legal responsibilities. And uh, it's good to good to have an idea of what to do. Probably the most important thing is to make sure that 
all the students who are in the class proceed safely and orderly to the safe area. A lot of times it's outside of the school. It doesn't have to be. It depends on the alarm. And that the teacher is aware enough to be able to take role in the classroom and in the safe area. It's very important to take role both places because you got to know who's there all the time in transit and wherever. That's true. And I actually have a story for that. Oh, okay. So um, we were having fire drills, and fire drills to me were nothing but a giant headache and distraction because I was always trying to jam in as much as I possibly could, especially with my advanced placement classes. I always felt like they happened during those classes. Mm-hmm. And I would just think, great, now I'm not going to be able to get the quiz tomorrow, and that's all I would think about. And we would all herd outside. And our safe area was just outside the parking lot. Most of the time I would remember my, my grade book, but you know, I wasn't a super record keeper. Maybe half the time I would remember to take roll, and I, I can say that now that I'm not teaching. Yeah. Because that's an embarrassing thing. Yes, it would be. It would be not good. But uh, let's say I just would re- I would forget. It wouldn't be because I refused to. It would just be because I would want to get that lesson started and keep the kids' attention before things got kind of rocky. So we would move out past the school and or past the uh, car store safe area. And then that day I thought, you know what? This is really irresponsible. I need to get better. This is about my second year teaching. I need to get better at taking role because someone told me the day before that our, our grade books are a legal document and they can be subpoenaed. That's true. Uh, I finally was deciding it was, it was important to take role. So I, I brought the, the role book out and I, I, I was comparing who was there to who wasn't there. And one of my best students and most trustworthy students was gone. And she had been mm. having boyfriend issues. Ooh. And I thought, well... You know, this really stinks. Mm-hmm. She probably went to talk to her boyfriend. There's going to be some kind of fight and it's going to be ugly. I thought, well, this is just, this is upsetting because this is a kid that I trusted and she was sitting right in front of me when we left the room and when we walked out of the room, I was watching the kids go and now she wasn't there. And I think, well, now what do I do? Because at our school, the policy was you take roll and then you rip off a little sheet of paper or something and you write your name and all present or accounted for or who's absent. And I thought... Well, if I say that I lost a kid, then that's going to make me look stupid. But if I don't say it, what happens if this is real? And what happens if she really mm-hmm. is gone? Or... Right. So I had that moment of panic, the fight or flight. And I thought, well, I just better bite the bullet. I don't know where she went. So when I'm it... just going to say she's gone. Gail's gone. Yeah. When in doubt, tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I turned that in and I thought, oh, great. Well, now I'm going to get called in the office and this is going to be a big deal. And. I just wanted to teach, and why do they have to do these? You know, I know this isn't a real fire drill. And, and she was actually an aide in the main office. So I thought she knew this was going to happen. She saw something magnetically attached to the intercom, and she was planning to ditch the rest of the class and, mm-hmm. and disappear. And I thought, oh, I was getting angry. And we came back in, and she was still gone after everybody returned, and we got the, the whistle or whatever it is that signified we could go back in. And I went in, and I sat in the classroom, and I said, where is Gail? This is not funny anymore. Where is Gail? And, and all of a sudden, the vice principal comes in with Gail, Gail looking mortified. And she says, you passed, Mr. Kelly, who was the vice principal speaking. She said, I stole Gail when she was walking out of your room. I told Gail when the bell went off, she was to disappear. She was to slip away and make her way to me. I wanted to see if teachers were taking role or not. And I thought, like, wow, it was just yesterday I decided that I was going to be more responsible. (laughs) She said, good job. You saw that she was missing, and you reported it like you had to. If this had been a real emergency and she had really vanished or gotten trapped, then it would be essential that we know that. Very good. I felt very proud of myself, but Mm -hmm. it's tinged with the fact that I had been doing it badly for so long. But I'll tell you what, from then on, I did it really well. Oh, you got lucky. I did. did. (laughs) You got lucky. Because that was my second year. I wasn't tenured. That could have been a mark 
Absolutely. I might write it. Would, it would have been a mark. That's a very important thing. And, and Mike, don't really listen to what Mike just said. You need to start on day one with that <laughs> attendance thing. Right. I'm not, yeah, not promoting an agenda of being irresponsible. I'm just, just being honest. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that because there's, we try to keep this as honest as possible. And we only even lie. When it, even when it makes us look bad. <laughs> we only lie when we have to. Right? <laughs> we only lie when we know no one will find out. Um, Plausible deniability. That's right. The important thing to remember about a fire drill or any drill is you've got to know who's in your class and you've got to know where they are all the time and they must always be under your supervision you are legally responsible for them now the the other thing that a lot of people overlook is when the alarm sounds what does the teacher do and as as mike said the first thing you should do is of course grab the grade book because that is your legal record of who's in your class and the second thing is, and hopefully you've practiced this ahead of time, you need to make sure that the students are lined up and ready to go. Probably the worst thing you can do is open the door and let them leave like a jailbreak. That's an accident waiting to happen. It's very difficult to maintain control, and it's a good way for a student to get hurt or lost or sneak away. And, and that's how it happened, too, because I just opened the door and let them go out. Aha! Uh-huh. How did I know? I didn't realize that till just now. How did I know? Especially in elementary school, they need to learn to line up single file and leave when the teacher tells them to leave, go to the designated area, and wait. And, of course, the teacher has to be at the front, middle, and the end of the line all at the same time. So, you know, there's a little bit of movement back and forth. In the very youngest age groups, they may be required to go to the end of the hall and wait and then turn the corner, go to the next point and wait and then go out the door or whatever the directions have to be so that they're simple obviously for older children they can be a little more responsible than that but the teacher is still the teacher and is the person in charge and is responsible for all the actions of the students so take it from mike mike and (laughs) (laughs) make sure that you you. (laughs) make sure that you are keeping those students under supervision at all time well we've gotten a lot of material covered and i'm sure there's more we could talk about in both topics Mm -hmm. today both about fire drills and about lesson plans but we have reached the end of our pre-appointed time so i better police us and say that we need to wrap it up okay well i guess we'll say that uh we'll see you in the faculty lounge Do you have a question that you would like us to answer on a future podcast? Our experts are standing by. Email us today at newteacherhotline at gmail.com. The New Teacher Hotline is presented every two weeks by the American Board for Certification of Teacher Excellence. Look us up online at www.abcte.org. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the American Board for Certification of Teacher Excellence. In fact, ABCTE makes no claim that downloading this podcast will even be worth your time. But, you know, we, we hope it is. Our theme song is courtesy of Van Davis at www.vandavis.com. Thanks for listening.